Amen, saints. I am Bishop Giovanni Robinson, Sr., and I am the senior pastor for Divine Connection Community Church and the jurisdictional bishop or diocesan bishop for the state of Florida for Divine Covenant Fellowship of Churches. I'd like to thank you for tuning in to our weekly broadcast here on the Daily Gospel Network. You can watch us each and every Thursday starting at 5.30 p.m. to 6 o'clock p.m. We ask that you tune in and support our ministry and our endeavors as we divinely connect the Lord's gospel around the world. Today's or this evening's message is Bethsaida, change your story, change your life. Bethsaida, change your story, change your life. Before we get into the message, let us... Uh, Let's bow our heads and go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, first of all, thank you for allowing us another day, God, to come before you and to give you praise and honor. God, it's nothing that we've done, God, that we deserve, God, to see this day. But it's only by your grace and your mercy, God, are we able, Lord, to see it. You kept our hearts in perfect rhythm, God, last night, and you woke us up, God, out of love. You gave us an opportunity, God to be able to give you praise and honor. For those that do not know you, Lord, I ask that something is seen, said, done, or heard, God, through this message being broadcasted out, God, to those individuals, that it would touch their heart, God, and that it would bring them to repentance and ultimately, Lord God, to salvation and them accepting the finished works of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Yeshua, your only begotten son. God, this is my prayer. In the name of Jesus, Yeshua, amen. Amen. <clears throat> Bethsaida, change your story and you change your life. Change your story and you change your life. I can remember when I uh, first started to, uh, to learn how to drive, I was about 60. I actually started when I was 15. But I uh, got my license around 16 years old, I believe. And when I started driving, my mother had this uh, rabbit. It was a golf rabbit, a, a four-door. Older car, it was a stick shift, a hatchback. It was green. And I, I liked the car. It was my first car, right? But uh, my, 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 my habits of driving was then because I was a new driver, I had the 10 o'clock and the 2 o'clock. And... I was so concentrated and fixated on driving that I couldn't have the radio on. I couldn't have anyone talking to me whatsoever. I couldn't do it. You know, even the windows, I had to roll the windows up. I couldn't have any outside distractions. I was just, I, I was just the 10 and the two and, and concentrated and keeping the car in between the lines and am I going over the speed limit and then shifting gears and all of this. As I got older and driving, then I got, you know, used to the distractions so to speak. I could have the radio on. I was eating, you know, while driving a stick shift, you know, I'm eating out of the lanes as a, as a teenager, you know, I definitely was not obeying the speed limit, you know, uh, at that age. I just wanted to, you know, be the cool kid on the block, so to speak. I was happy that I had a car that my, that my mother gave, that my mother gave to me. 
So I had these distractions in my life and I learned to live with these distractions. You know, there, there are a lot of distractions now that are in our lives and have been woven into our lives by the enemy to keep us distracted. So we will not hear the word of God. So that way you will not be able to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and your savior because of these distractions. The distractions will choke out this still calm voice that's trying to lead you to repentance or that's trying to lead you down a different path. That's trying to tell you, slow down, or that this isn't the right way. Or hey, go over here. Or stop and pay attention. Or maybe what he's saying is true. Maybe there's some truth to it. Maybe this is something that you need to investigate further. Let's say it. To the Gospel of Mark, or with me rather, to the Gospel of Mark, uh, the eighth chapter, verse 22 through 25. Mark 8, 22 uh, through 25. When you get there, please uh, let me know. Amen. All right. 22. When they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus. This is the New Living Translation. And they begged him to touch the man and heal him. Verse 23. Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. Then spitting on the man's eyes, he laid his hands on him and asked, can you see anything now? The man looked around. Yes, he said, I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. Then Jesus placed his hand on the man's eyes again, and his eyes were open. His sight was completely restored, and he could see everything clearly. Verse 26, just one more. Jesus sent him away, saying, don't go back into the village on your way home. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Bethsaida. Jesus went into this village, and upon his arrival there, as you notice in the passage, he was met by a group of men who brought another man to Jesus. And what these people wanted was for Jesus to heal him, was just to touch him and to heal him. One thing that that shows us in this passage is that these men had compassion on this blind man, and they believed that the Lord could do this. They probably heard or have seen the miracles that Jesus had done in, uh, in other villages or in other parts of that region. And Jesus was now coming to their city or to their village, to their region. And they wanted him to heal this man here who had been blind. But if you notice, the men wanted this more than the blind man. It wasn't that the blind man <clears throat> was asking what's going on, as you will read in another passage. Well, he couldn't get there or whatever the case may be. I'm sure he heard of the ruckus. 
I'm sure he heard everyone talking. I'm sure he heard these individuals saying, hey, come with us. But they seem to have wanted this more than he did because the passage says they asked him to heal. Not that the man says, look, Jesus, heal me. Give me back my eyesight. People ask that. So they wanted this more than he did. And they asked the Lord, just touch him. But what does the passage say in verse uh, 23? Jesus did what? Look at 23. Jesus took the blind man by the what? hand and led him out of the village. And so he took anybody else with him, he led him out of the village. He took him by the hand. But remember what it says in 22 above that. Some people, just skipping that first portion of it, some people brought a blind man to Jesus and begged him to what? Touch the man and heal him. Jesus touched him. Why didn't the blind man get healed? He touched him. It wasn't that Jesus Christ couldn't do it. He didn't want it as bad as the other people around him. They wanted it for him. He didn't want that. But Jesus had to get him away from the village. Why? Because of distractions. There were distractions in his life. These distractions were keeping him from receiving his healing. But say that. It wasn't until Jesus Christ took him outside of the village that the process started. He got him away from those distractions. He touched him once, right? He touched him and brought him out. That didn't work. And then he did what? He spit and put this uh, clay, or he doesn't say that portion of it, but then he spit and put this over his eyes and what the man didn't see clearly then. And then he does what? He lays his hand on him and asks, can you see? Again. Now he can see the second time. Was it that Jesus Christ couldn't have done it the first when he touched him or when he initially had spit on him? No. On his eyes? Put the salve over his eyes? No. Because of this man's distractions, these things that were holding him back, he needed to take, take involvement in his own healing as well. It's here. The Lord sometimes has to get us out and away from our distractions so you can receive these healings, so that you can receive this gifting, so that you can receive this ministry. But God needs to get you out of the way from your distractions. Bethsaida. Bethsaida. Let's look at another blind man. Go to Luke, the 18th chapter. Luke 18, it's just five verses here. It's going to be 35 through 40. Luke 18, 35 through 40. And once again, as before, when you get there, say amen. As Jesus came near Jericho, a blind man was sitting and begging by the road. This is 35. Uh, when he heard the crowd going by, he tried to find out what was happening. The people told him that Jesus from Nazareth was passing by, 38. And the blind man did what? Shouted something that the man in Bethsaida did not do, nor did he inquire. Uh, then the blind man shouted, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The people at the front of the crowd told the blind man to be quiet. 
But he shouted, what? Even louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered them to bring the man to him. Uh, when, when the man came near, Jesus asked him, uh, let's go on to 41. What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said, Lord, I want to see again. And we'll, we'll finish it out at 42. Jesus told him, and uh, 43 as well. Uh, Jesus told him, receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. Immediately, he could see again. He followed Jesus and praised God. All of the people saw this and they too praised God. What makes this story different than the other story about the blind man was that <clears throat> this man was sitting here and he got away from his own distractions. He was waiting on Christ. When he heard this commotion coming, he's like, what's going on? Jesus is here. Well, as soon as he gets near or closer, I'm going to continue to shout until he does get close, until he does call my name, until he does acknowledge me. He didn't allow his distractions to become a hindrance to him. He didn't allow his distractions to become Bethsaida, something that was paralyzing, something that, that overshadowed his want or his need to be healed. What's your beseda? What does so easily beset you? Is it alcohol? Is it TV? Does that keep you from getting in your word of God? Listening to the ministries or the various ministries and TV evangelists now, you know, it's, it's okay, but it should not take the place of reading your word. I understand with the pandemic, things have, have collapsed in the sense where that now we're not able to go uh, out as much externally as we were before in, in large gatherings. And now things have been uh, channeled or funneled through mediums like the broadcast, the Daily Gospel Network, and some of the other social network platforms that are out there. So I understand that, but that should not take the place of you reading your word for yourself. If anything, it should be a, an encouragement or it should be a witness to what you're already reading and confirming what you've already known to be true. Beseda, there's a lot of different distractions in people's lives. The blind man's distraction who was in the village of Beseda was the people around him. But then he had a group of people that wanted him to be healed more than he wanted it himself. Who does that sound like? Your mother? praying for you, your grandmother, praying for you, your father, the people in the church, <clears throat> some of the people on your job, some of our intercessory prayer uh, saints 
in the church. Some of them want your healing more than you. Some of them want your salvation more than you. Where's your Bethsaida lying at? How much further will it be until you walk out of the village and you're away from those distractions? Christ is putting his hand out to you, asking you the exact same thing he asked this man here. Do you want to be healed? What can I do for you? But because of the noise in the village, because of the distractions that are going around, sometimes people can't hear the Lord calling them. And that's by design. It's like I mentioned at the beginning of the message, because Satan puts these distractions in our life. We allow these distractions to envelop us and to choke out the word of God or to cause us to be blind to certain things or events that are happening or unfolding in our lives that God is using to get our attention, to move and drive us towards accepting him before it's too late. But said is not the end but it's definitely a confidence marker. It's a confidence marker in the sense of knowing that I am at a place now, Lord, where that I need change and you need to get out of the village. What did God tell the man when he brought him out of the village and he healed him? Don't go back, don't go back. Don't go back to those distractions. Don't go back to that same situation that got you here, let it go, leave, get away from it. Leave this Bethsaida. And it's hard for some people. There are a lot of different distractions in this world. The devil, as we know, if you don't know it, for those that don't know Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, that the devil, there is an enemy. There is an adversary, okay? He is, he is adversarial to us. He is not a opposition in the sense where that he matches us with force, an equal force, but he is an adversary nonetheless. He is the prince of this world and the ruler of this world. He has orchestrated a lot of the things that are going on in this world and he has the authority and the power to do so. And there's gonna be even more distractions out there distractions are designed to get us away from the word of God, to get us away from faith in the word of God, and to have us to put our faith in ourselves, to have us put faith in objects, to have us to put faith in what we can buy, have us to put faith in, in a party, a political party, or in individuals. That's, that's not where our faith lies. Our faith lies in the word of God. Our faith lies in knowing that what God has said in his word is true and that it will come true. We just need to eliminate and sift these distractions out of our life. Let's look at Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. Genesis 12, 1 and 3. And I'll read this one. 
Herodly, but not too Herodly. The Lord had called, had said uh, to uh, Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you rather and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Now, what does it say here in the first verse, chapter 12? The Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your families, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. Now, we know the story of, if you don't know the story of Abraham, but if you're familiar with this story, uh, the story of when God calls Abraham out from his country, the father of faith, is what he is known to be and the father of, of all of our blessings. Now, because all of our blessings have come through him because of his faith in the Lord. We know our blessings come from Christ Jesus, but God said that he would bless all these other nations, many nations to include us, are blessed because of his faithfulness in the Lord. So that's what I mean by we are blessed through him. God told Abraham to leave his country, leave your family, your, your relatives rather, and, and get out. It didn't mean Sarah. Sarah is his wife, and God considers the union of man and woman as a holy matrimony, as a holy union, and for the, and that union is one to God. So they're one, one and the same. Buddha, Abraham take with him. He took Lot, took his nephew, his brother's son, and his wife. Did God tell you to do that, Abraham? No, he didn't. And in doing that, Lot ended up becoming a distraction to Abraham. So much so that he went to a city on two occasions, Abraham had to rescue him. Uh, one was when he had got captured. He was in this land and got captured by this king. And Abraham uh, uh, went in to rescue him with some of his men and overthrew the guy and brought him out, uh, his son, and a couple of his people with him. Well, Abraham doesn't go back, or Lot doesn't go back with Abraham. What he does from there, he goes on, pressing forward to Sodom, and uh, really Gomorrah is where he went to, <clears throat> a city that, you know, uh, was riddled with sin and wickedness, so much so that God sent his angels down to judge it. Now, you know, it has to be bad when God sends his angels down right, to, to judge a city because the cries have come up to him. And what happens? God saves Lot. Not because of Lot, but God saves Lot because of Abraham. And that's what he tells him. Because of him, he was going to save Lot. Afterwards, what happens after he saves Lot? Lot goes up into the caves, speeding up with the story. His daughters, two daughters, end up uh, getting, he ended up getting his two daughters pregnant. Uh, they got him drunk and uh, he ends up getting pregnant. And those, uh, the children from them end up becoming the Moabites and a lot of other 
uh, uh, clan or tribes came from, from them as well. But that tribe, their clan or nation came out of a lot, was called the Moabites. And they were a mortal enemy to the Israelites, a thorn in the Israelite side. All of this because Lot or Abraham took Lot with him out of his country and God never told him to do that. He took a distraction with him and allowed that distraction now to be a thorn in his side. And it would be a perpetual thorn in the side of Israel moving forward. Distractions. Peseda. Once again, what's your distraction? What distraction have you brought with you and that you continue to bring with you in your life? Cut these distractions away. Were you saying, Pastor, you know, it's hard for me to stop drinking. It's hard for me to, to stop, you know, lying or fornicating or pornography. It's hard. My brother, I understand. I've been there myself. I'm not saying distractions are the easiest thing in the world to get rid of. But I can tell you this, is that only through the power of the Holy Spirit can you do it. You have to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior first. The step I would say before this is that you have to admit that you need help. Then after that admitted, then comes the asking for salvation, the acceptance of Jesus Christ into your heart. That's the only way for you to get rid of these distractions. That's the only way for you to become distraction free from those things. Not that there won't be other distractions, but those distractions will not be distractions as before. Now those things will be confidence markers, letting you know that, hey, you know what? That's a distraction up ahead. Avoid that. Or hey, you're staying here too long. Avoid that. Or hey, you're looking at this too long. Change the channel or turn your head. Keep moving. Tell them, no, thank you. I don't drink. Confidence markers. Then the Holy Spirit will show you that, hey, you need to make a turn up ahead. Pray ahead. Pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I admit that I have distractions in my life. I admit that I have made a mess of my life. I admit that if I was to die today, if there is a place called heaven, that I would not be there. I do not have the assurance that I would be there. Lord Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and my Savior based off of the information 
that I have now. I ask you to show me you coming to my heart. I make you my Lord and my Savior. I receive your Holy Spirit by faith. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.